Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, uh, one of your hosts, Chad Dotson. This is episode 94 of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, staring down the barrel of 100, joining me again, frequent co-host and the guru of all things Reds Minor League from RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. How are you doing today, Doug? Pretty good, Chad. How about yourself? Uh, just, uh, well, up and down, just like this team, I guess. Uh, let's talk about one of the things, if we could, as we get uh, get into this, what's going on with this club right now. There's an awful lot to talk about. This is a frustrating team, as we've documented well, but also in a lot of ways, a lot of storylines on this team. And a brand new storyline has emerged over the last month. We've talked about him every podcast since he uh, came up. But Billy Hamilton, I, and I said yesterday in my recap of the Sunday game, I'm just not sure that it's impossible to, or I'm not sure that it's possible to overstate what Billy Hamilton uh, has meant to this club, what he's done, and uh, frankly, I'm not sure he could have scripted a better beginning to his major league career than what we've seen. Uh, what What is this Billy Hamilton guy all about? Well, at this point, uh, you know, I think that everybody's been able to see what he's been able to do on the base path. I mean, you know, He's stolen every base he's attempted, and very few of them have even been close. Uh, you know, I mean, the other day he scored from second base on an infield single that didn't leave the dirt. Uh, I mean, you just don't see guys that can change a game the way he can, um, you know, with the kind of speed that he has and his instincts. I, I think that's what really separates him from a lot of guys uh, is how quickly he reads where the ball is going to be at off of the bat, and he just goes. And when you couple that with just the elite speed that he has, you know, he is a really, really big difference maker on the base side. I've been pretty skeptical about Hamilton all through his uh, throughout his minor league career, basically because I wasn't sure he was ever going to get on base enough to be an effective uh, leadoff hitter in the majors. And, and under current management, he's going to be expected to be a leadoff hitter for the Reds. But now that I've seen him up close, and obviously all the small sample size warnings apply, but now that I've seen him up close, I see how this guy could be an effective major leaguer. It's a little different than really anybody else we've seen, or at least not in a long time. Um, but if he can really uh, improve his keep keep improving his center field defense, um, and he's got all the tools to be a, a great defender out there, uh, yeah, this guy slaps the ball on the ground and runs, um, and and then the havoc he creates when he's on the base pads, it, well, it's like unlike anything I've ever seen. Now, you wrote a, an article today or a post at uh, at Reds Minor Leagues about uh, about Hamilton. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your thesis there? Well, as we know, he's got amazing speed. He steals a lot of bases. But, you know, I started thinking just how much value has he added. So I've headed over to Fangraphs, who has this awesome you know, uh, base running statistics, and basically it looks at how many runs a player has added versus the average player, what they would do on similar plays, you know, when they're on the bases, you know, going first to third on a single or first to home on a double, you know, you get different credits for each kind of uh, extra base that you do take. Uh, and coming into Sunday, I wrote this article on Sunday night, so what Billy Hamilton did yesterday in the game had not been added to anything that he had done yet on Fangraphs. They, they update their stuff you know, really early the next morning when they get all of their stats and whoever supplies them. But at the time, despite being in 
you know, a handful of games as a pinch runner and getting two starts, Billy Hamilton had already been the second most valuable runner on the team behind Todd Frazier. Um, now, they updated this afternoon, and Billy Hamilton has now added more value on the base paths than every other red, which is just it's mind-boggling when you really want to think about it because he's been on the base less than 20 times. Uh, and it's a counting stat, so it adds up. I mean, you know, if a guy's been on base 200 times, he's going to get value for each one of those times that he goes an extra base. And Billy Hamilton's been on there 20 times, and he's added more value than anybody else. So I started thinking about it in historical context, and I went back to 1970s. And the most runs that anybody had added in a single season was Vince Coleman in 1986. And he added just 15.7 runs. Now, that doesn't really seem like a whole lot, but, you know, I know not everybody believes in the whole concept behind uh, wins above replacement or uh, whatever you want to call it. And I've got my own set of issues, but I, I think that historically it gives us a nice context to put things in. That's worth, you know, one and a half runs all by itself, or one and a half wins all by itself, whereas a major league average player is only a two to three win player. So that's a ton of value added. Now what I did was extrapolate how many runs Billy Hamilton has been adding per time he's been on base. You know, so I didn't take into consideration that, you know, he's got a five hundred on base percentage at this point, and I just gave him that amount of value over two hundred times on base in a season, which you know, realistically, that's a 320 on base percentage with reaching base, you know, five to ten times via errors. You know, nothing out of out of the ordinary or anything. At his current rate, he would add over 40 runs of value Goodness. on the bases, which is, I mean, it's twice what anybody's done in the last 40 years. Um, I mean, that That's just kind of the context of how good he has been so far in adding value with his legs. And obviously, you know, he's not going to keep up at that rate because he hasn't been thrown out yet or been picked off, and you know, that, that is going to happen. It happened in the minor leagues to him. It's going to happen up here eventually. But it's just amazing that he's been so valuable. I mean, twice as valuable per time on base as anybody's done in the last 40 years. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to really say it other than it's, it's just insane to really think about it like that, that he's just adding so much value with just what he can do on the base heads. That's not considering anything he's doing at the plate or in the field. None of that is being added in. He's already projected to be roughly a slightly below average player. So let me uh, put it in a little bit different terms. I heard you throw out a number, but we're, let's let's presume that Billy Hamilton is going to be the leadoff hitter for the Reds at some point. Uh, probably okay. next year. He, he's he's forced the issue a little bit. I would not be surprised if it's, it's next spring. What kind of an on-base percentage, given the fact that he can, can contribute and can uh, make himself a little bit more valuable with his legs once he gets on base, does that change what kind of a, I guess, does it lower our expectations or our need for what the Reds need out of an on-base percentage from Hamilton out of the leadoff spot? Does that make any sense? I'm not sure that made any sense. I, I think I understand what you're saying, and I, I would go with yes a little bit, but I think that batting at the top of the lineup with you know, theoretically, at least, if your manager is going to put the right lineup behind you, his speed isn't going to be as influential at the top of the lineup with guys like Votto and Bruce batting behind him as it would if, you know, he had lesser hitters behind him. But even with that said, you know, sometimes it is going to come into play whereas, where other guys aren't going to be able to take advantage of it like he would. So I think it lowers the bar a little bit from what you want to see on base percentage-wise, but I don't think that it's going to, you know, drastically change it where, 
all of a sudden a 300 on base percentage is acceptable because of the value he will add with his legs just because of who is behind him, you know, that extra, you know, let's, let's just say two bases he's going to get per week, you know, that might not come into play because of who's batting behind him every time. I'm still not sure that the question I asked made any sense, but, you know, 98% of what I say doesn't make sense. So the listeners are, are used to it. They're accustomed to that. Uh, my question, I guess, then is, will Billy Hamilton, and this has been my question since day one, will Billy Hamilton, once he gets uh, to the major league level at full-time basis, will he get on base enough to really uh, be a sort of a value-added player at the top of the order? You know, at number eight in the lineup, it, it's a different set of circumstances. What's your opinion on whether or not he's going to get on base enough? I'm not sure that I believe that he'll be able to do that, um, let's say, for the first half of next season. Um, I, do, I do think that if he is up in the major leagues for the first half of next season, he will be batting leadoff. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if his on-base percentage was under 320 for the first half of next season. But you think he can develop into a, uh, a decent leadoff hitter? I, I think that he could fall anywhere in that 325 to 345 range. You know, rather easily. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he got into that range, which would be perfectly acceptable for any leadoff hitter, much less for someone with his kind of speed uh, who can, you know, disrupt the game in the way that he can. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure that he's ready to do that right now um, if he were to be playing every day or even in the first half of next season. Um, I mean, you know, we all know that he had, you know, on base problems in AAA this year. And it's really the first time he's really struggled with it since, you know, the year that he was drafted. But, you know, he did show adjustments in the second half, um, and that's kind of been his MO for his career. He's, he's adjusted the longer he's been at a level, which is very good to see. Uh, you know, it gives you faith that, you know, he's a hard worker and he can put in the work that is, is needed in order to make those adjustments. But it seems that it's also something that he does take time to do. So I think in the long run, he's going to get on base enough to, I guess, satisfy what everybody feels he should be doing out of the leadoff spot. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time to get there as well. And that sort of leads into one of our common themes we've had all 94 episodes of uh, Red Leg Nation Radio, which is fans have got to be patient with young players. And I'm really concerned, especially given that he's looked like a world-beater, game-changer superstar here, just almost in this limited exposure Cincinnati fans have had to him this year. If he comes out of the gate struggling next year, I'm really hopeful that – Fans will back off a little bit, uh, even even if we're not happy with him batting leadoff. Give the guy a chance to uh, develop into a major league hitter because very few guys, they're, they're, you know, Mike Trout is not walking through that door. There are very few guys that are, you know, capable of being superstars on the major league level from day one. So I'm concerned that uh, they'll turn on him quickly, like uh, Reds fans turned on Drew Stubbs uh, in not quite similar situations, but sort of. Yeah, I. I think that the expectations are very high for Billy Hamilton, uh, but I think that where it differs between maybe a guy like Stubbs or Jay Bruce or Homer Bailey who struggled initially uh, is that what people were more excited about with Hamilton is what he can do on the base paths, not necessarily what he can do in the field, which I think he's fine there, but I'm just throwing it out there that, you know, people aren't going to be concerned about his defense. You know, they're not going to be as worried about his, you know, what he does at the plate. People the general fan is more concerned about when he gets on base, what can he do? And we've all seen what he can do. It's exciting. You know, it's game-changing. It's what people are expecting out of him. And I, I think that just, it's just the thing that they're expecting from him 
may cause a little bit of a difference between how they react if he struggles versus past players and how they've struggled. Well, he seems like a good kid, and I'm really happy that he's had such a good start to his career. He's all smiles, and um, you know you can't com- can't com- argue with the results so far. And again, very limited uh, time, but he's batted 14 times. He has 12 stolen bases, 12 for 12. That's obviously second on the Reds in stolen bases behind Shinsu Chu. Uh, Chu, of course, I believe we're we're recording this in the middle of uh, the Monday night game, and Chu's already got one stolen base tonight, so he has 19 on the year. Maybe he's feeling the uh, the heat. He doesn't want Neil Hamilton to catch him, but it's just it's he astounding to watch. Him. Yeah, he may want to get another one or two <laughs> uh, when he gets a chance. Uh, let me just w- quickly uh, one thought that I had about Hamilton that uh, really this is really just sort of something that occurred to me. It's not neither here nor there, but uh, I've read several times the stories about the uh, Big Red Machine and Joe Morgan batting third on that team. And he used to get, uh, not upset, but he used to ask uh, Ken Griffey not to steal while he was batting. Uh, he felt like it distracted him, um, and he, he used to he didn't like it. The guy was over there uh, creating waves. Now, that first occurred to me, that story occurred to me uh, a week and a half ago or so when the Reds were playing the Dodgers and Joey Votto was batting. And uh, the Dodgers pitcher, I think Rodriguez, Paco Rodriguez, I believe is his name, was pitching, and Billy Hamilton was in that guy's head. He could not have been in that guy's head anymore, uh, oh, period. It was really interesting to watch. The guy ended up walking Votto. Not that it's, you know, Votto has never taken a walk before, but um, it was very it was very clear that the pitcher was unnerved. So um, it not, his ability to wreak havoc on the bases not only, you know, helps the Reds uh, and helps, helps him, I guess, but could help uh, everybody else. I just wonder if it's distracting to the hitters. It's the only reason I bring up that uh, anecdote about uh, about Joe Morgan. It's neither here nor there. I don't, you don't even need to comment on it necessarily, but that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I think that it probably does depend on each batter. Um, you know, some guys go to the plate. You know, I think that maybe a guy like Brandon Phillips, who's more aggressive early in the count, might have a, a bit more of a problem with it because, you know, I guess the theory is you know, if you're going to steal a bat or steal a runner, you know, take the pitch. You know, that's not something that Brandon Phillips necessarily likes to do. He's a very aggressive first pitch hitter. If he sees a strike, he's going to swing at it. He likes to swing at it. That's always who he's been. That's what he's he's successful at. Whereas maybe a guy like Joey Votto, who's more patient, you know, he won't have a problem with you know taking that first pitch because he's probably going to take it anyways. Um, he's one of the you know few. He swings at the first pitch fewer than just about anybody in baseball. So maybe it won't affect him so much. So I think that it just could be, you know, who's at the plate when they decide to let Billy Hamilton run as to, you know, whether it, you know, I guess, gets in the batter's head or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's he's just a fascinating uh, player to watch. And I have really been, let's say, not a fully paid member of the Billy Hamilton fan club all the way up through. And I was really sort of concerned about Hamilton being the leadoff hitter next year. If nothing else, Hamilton has not necessarily won me over, but he's made me interested to see what he's going to do. So it could be a fun year next year, couldn't it? It, it could be. I mean, like I said, you know, he's always been the guy that's made that adjustment. And, you know, maybe, you know, this shortened stint of the exposure to the major leagues is going to help push that timetable forward a little bit. Um, and, you know, if he, can, if he can make that adjustment a little bit sooner, 
it could be really exciting to see what he can do uh, with a full season next year. Okay, so it could be fun next year, but hey, you know what? This year's not over yet. Let's talk about 2013 quickly. Uh, well, not quickly, probably, because I like to talk, but this year there's six games remaining in the season as we speak, and one of those six are being, is being played right now against the New York Mets. Our old buddy Aaron Harang on the mound for the Mets. And there's really a lot still up in the air for the Reds. The division title, it's a possibility. Now, I'm not going to bet the ranch on the Reds winning the division championship, but they're two games back with six to go behind uh, St. Louis. If St. Louis loses a couple here in their series against Washington, the Reds can win the first couple against New York. Who knows? Uh, that's still out there. The rest, of the, the rest of the story is basically that it's the Reds are almost definitely, let's not count out the division title yet, but they're almost definitely going to be in that wild card game. My question to you is, how important is it if the Reds don't win the division to get the home field advantage in that wild card game? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I've always been of the belief that home field advantage in baseball doesn't matter as much as it does in other sports. Um, I mean, especially now with how good the Reds pitching is, these guys can win anywhere. I don't think the ballpark, the ballpark affects them as much. But, you know, obviously you would like to have home field advantage. You know, that last at bat is always something that, you know, it does come into play every now and again. Just something you'd like to have. But I think that the home field advantage is a little bit overblown in baseball compared to other sports. You know, I I have been of the opinion the last few weeks the Reds, if they're not going to win the division, really need to uh, get that home field advantage. I just thought, you know, having a crowd full of uh, excited Reds fans in that game could make the difference when it's the one game that will make or break your season, basically. You either make the real playoffs or you go home. So I had uh, sort of all season long been thinking, Reds really need to get that home field advantage. Then I started thinking about it. Uh, last year's Giants-Reds series, and somebody made a comment at Red Leg Nation, um, about this, they got me thinking, frankly. The Giants and Red Series last year, home field advantage didn't mean anything. The Braves were uh, the home were the home home team in the wild card playing game last year in the National League. Didn't help them much. And the Texas Rangers were the wild card playoff team last year in the one game playoff. Didn't help them much. So uh, I think that all things equal, I'd rather be the home team. But it's not as important as, as perhaps we've been making it. And so that question sort of leads into what do you do if you're the if you're Dusty Baker about your pitchers over the next week? And and my my thoughts on this have changed as well. There, there are sort of competing goals here. Do you play do you go all out to try to win the division? Do you try to uh set up your pitchers so you got the best chance of having the right pitcher pitching in the wild card game, uh, any, any thoughts about what the Reds should do with their with their pitching? They got Cueto going tonight, and they got Mike Leak and uh, Greg Reynolds scheduled for the next two nights, which would leave Latos, Bailey, and Arroyo for the three game Pirate series over the weekend. So, I don't know if you got any thoughts, but uh, should the Reds be setting up their rotation, have their best pitcher going on the wild card game? I guess is my question, or should they go all out? after this division championship and not pitch Greg Reynolds on Wednesday is basically where I'm going. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, 
it really isn't a matter. I, I wouldn't make a decision at this point because, like you said, you know, we don't really need to make a decision until Wednesday with Greg Reynolds uh, as to whether, you know, we're going to move somebody, move the rest of the rotation up in order to try and stack it for the playoffs or not. So I, I think that, you know, if, let's say the Cardinals win uh, their next two games, then odds are you're not, you're not, you have to win out to even have a chance at winning the division and they'd have to lose out. That's probably not going to happen. So if they were to win out, you know, I would totally stack my uh, rotation to try and get my best pitcher, whoever I'm comfortable with, if I'm Dusty Baker, whether it's going to be Matt Latos or Homer Bailey, to be ready to pitch on that. Is this playing a game on Tuesday, I believe? I think so, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it's yeah, Tuesday. I, I, yeah, yeah, I would stack it up that way, but if – Let's say, you know, you pick up a few games on the Cardinals and you are tied to the division, then you're going to go all out for the division because obviously you don't want to have to go for the playing game. So I think that the next two days are really going to determine, you know, what they're going to do. Um, you know, I would lean towards that Dusty Baker is probably not going to try and, you know, rearrange everything to go for it if the Reds are still two games back when Wednesday rolls around. But you never know. I mean, you know, maybe he's trying to send a message to his team that, you know, we can still, you know, we can run off the rest of the season and win this thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, so that, that, that's my thought process with it. Well, you're right, and that's sort of an unfair question I ask. And I think that you've exactly uh, analyzed it the way that I, w- I would have. My buddy uh, Steve Mancuso at Red Leg Nation uh, wrote a, a piece today about uh, the different scenarios. And I think you're right. If the Reds go into that game Wednesday against the Mets, if they are one game back or tied in the division, I think you pitch Latos, and there's no question about that. And I think that's what Dusty Baker would do instead of Greg Reynolds on Wednesday. Uh, you would be starting Latos, if I, if we have calculated correctly, he'd still be on a regular schedule. Maybe coming back one day early, but I think regular schedule still. So you're not really – what you're doing is you don't get him in the in the Pirates series, which is why they pushed him back to have him available for the Pirates. But if the Reds are one game back, given the fact that I have changed my mind about how important it is to have home field advantage in that playoff game, I think you've got to uh, bring Latos back on Wednesday if, there's, if you think there's any realistic chance of winning the division. Because winning the division is uh, – you know, that, that, that's, that's the key. That's, that's the be-all and end-all. Win the division, you don't have to worry about that playing game, which is really a crapshoot as far as I'm concerned. So, you're right. We've got to wait a couple days. It'll be very interesting to see what Dusty does if the Reds, for example, win their next two and the Cardinals lose one of their next two. So, the Reds are in second place. The Reds are one game out. Does he go ahead and let Reynolds pitch? Does he uh, bring Latos back? Now, that's uh, let's say, for example, the Reds are still two games out come Wednesday for whatever reason. And he goes ahead and pitches Reynolds. you got Latos, Bailey, and Arroyo for the weekend. And then you got to decide who to come back with on Tuesday. Here's where I think the Reds have an advantage over just about, well, I guess the Pirates are really the other team that could be in that game. The Reds have, in my opinion, three different guys that I'd be happy with giving them the ball on that uh, in that wild card game. I wouldn't mind if Latos got it. I wouldn't mind if Homer Bailey got it. And of course, if Homer Bailey ends up pitching Saturday, he's probably not going to be able to get it on, on Tuesday again. But I wouldn't right. mind Latos Bailey or Johnny Cueto, any of those. Uh, 
for that uh, if they work the rotation after any of those guys can start. So I think the Reds have a lot more options than some teams do. Do you have any opinion on who you'd like to see starting that game? I mean, if I could, you know, perfect world it and set up the rotation so everybody's fully rested, I personally would go with Homer Bailey just because of how he's pitched in, uh, you know, September in his career and how he's pitched against the Pirates in his career. Uh, you know, his ERA is under two and a half against them in his career, and he's always been very strong in September and October. Uh, you know, it seems like when the pressure's on him, you know, you look at both of his starts in the playoffs. Um, you know, when he's gotten deep into games with no hitters, he's locked them down. It, it seems that he's the kind of guy that really can rise to that occasion. And, you know, given his history with the team that you'd be facing if it were a wild card situation, I'd go with him. But like you said, if I had to go with Matt Latos or Johnny Plato, you know, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't feel any real concern about letting one of those guys go out there, you know, with my season on the line. You know, they're both great pitchers. Uh, you know, I'm fully confident in either one of them. I think it's just, you know, if I could make it perfect, you know, just a very small edge I'd give to Homer Bailey in that situation. I might too, but honestly, I'm really not sure. I'd have to really think through it a little more carefully than I have because I have a difficult time distinguishing between any of those three. Uh, Latos has been fantastic. Homer Bailey is sort of my sentimental choice, especially given the way he's pitched against the Pirates and the way he's pitched late in the year the last couple of years and the way he pitched in the playoffs last year. But, you know, if it were Johnny Quetta, if it worked out and the Reds are really having to go hard toward for, against the playoffs or against the Pirates excuse me, over the weekend – and end up being Cueto being the guy who uh, was was fully rested and ready to pitch, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. So, And sort of the benefit with that is no matter which way you go, Cueto, Latos, or Bailey, you've got one of those three guys, presuming the Reds can win that playoff game, ready to pitch game one of the division series. So that's an awfully good problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there really is no wrong answer to that question. It's just all about what you prefer. Well, let's let's talk about what you prefer in a different uh, on a different question. The Reds are going to have to set their playoff roster soon, and there's a lot of questions as to what we're going to do, what the Reds are going to do with respect to the uh, playoff roster. The one question that we keep seeing over and over is is this one: Is Billy Hamilton eligible for the postseason roster? Guys, you can quit tweeting at John Fay about this. Billy Hamilton is <laughs> eligible for the postseason roster. Okay, and, and frankly, my opinion is that Billy Hamilton is absolutely 100% going to be on that postseason roster. Let's start there. You think so? If he's not, someone needs to start asking some serious questions in the front office. Um, uh, we've all seen what he can do. Uh, you know, there could be a situation or ten different situations where you're not even going to use one or two different relievers on your on your roster. You're telling me that you couldn't find a way to use Billy Hamilton in any given game? In the playoffs, of course you can't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't see a way where you can argue that you know the, the last reliever out of your bullpen is going to be more important than Billy Hamilton in in a playoff series. I, I just can't put together any kind of argument that says that. So if he's not on the roster, I really think somebody needs to take some serious looks into the decision making going on. So given that we uh, believe Billy Hamilton absolutely is going to be there, uh, if he's eligible, I don't know. I keep getting mixed reports on that. Uh, no, no, no. He's eligible. He's eligible. If, if Billy Hamilton's on there, the Reds are the Reds are going to. You got to think. Bring and you said uh, you already answered my question, but I'm going to try to ask it again in a different way. Chris Heisey and Ryan Ludwig and uh, 
Shinsu Chu and Jay Bruce, all those guys are going to be there. The question is whether you leave a reliever home or whether you leave one of Cesar is tourist or Jack Hanahan home. And uh, you say you think uh, leave that last reliever home. I think I might leave you know, is tourist or Hanahan one or the other home because how much are you going to need? Uh, how much are you going to need either of those guys? Well, personally, I wouldn't have a problem leaving either one of them home either. Uh, I could see where the Reds, from their point of view, would bring his tourist on the roster just because he's the backup shortstop. And, you know, if something were to happen to Cozart, you know, they'd probably want to go to him. But at the same time, I feel like we've seen Todd Frazier, you know, filling his shortstop every now and again. Right, right, there. right. And if, and, if, and if there's a real injury to Cozart, then you can go, hey, say that a tourist, we're putting you on the roster now. So I, I really don't think that that would be a big issue for me either way, even if they just decide to, you know, bring that extra reliever and leave one of those two guys off of the roster. We've done a lot of comparisons just sort of joking around of Billy Hamilton to Billy Bates, you know, the, the hero in some ways of the 1990 World Series, the last guy that, you know, he raced a cheetah on the field and his, his world-class speed. And, of course, in game two of the World Series, he came in and um, and, and got the got the rally started in the 10th inning when it ended up being this, the RBI uh, was uh, Joe Oliver knocked him in. And... Uh, I can just see a scenario now. If you don't put his tourists on the roster, uh, you know you're you're sort of a younger guy. But a lot of the people listening have seen the old World Series video, the 1990 Reds, and uh, my favorite scene in that video, uh, there's two or three uh, elderly uh, women standing around, and Billy Bates comes up to bat, and, and one of the women goes, "What's he put him in there for? You know, where's Quinones?" Luis Quinones. So I know we're going to hear Billy Hamilton come to the plate. Somebody's going to be a uh, little old lady. He's going to be screaming, "Where's his tourist?" Um, which would actually be the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and I'd uh, uh, I would really enjoy that. But anyway, I'd li- I'd leave his tourist home uh, or Hanahan, either one. They're six of one, half dozen of the other. But then again, you got a bunch of relievers out here. You know who who are they going to who are they going to bring with the team? You got to think, assuming Singrani's back is uh, is feeling good. Singrani and Leak are going to be in the bullpen for the playoffs. So so who do we leave home out of the relievers? You know, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm not sure if I were making a roster that I'd have Mike Leak in my bullpen and on my roster. Um, you know, with Johnny Cueto being healthy, um, you know, I, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're going to go with a four-man rotation, you know, it, the last spot's got to be between Leak and Arroyo, and neither one of those guys, for me at least, uh, works in the bullpen. Uh, I, I just don't see it, um, especially if you're going to have Singrani in the bullpen, who can be, you know, you can use him as a long guy if the situation arises where, you know, God forbid you have another injury like you had to Clayto last year and you need somebody to go five or six innings for you. Singrani can fill that role. Uh, you know, he provides that, that guy that you could have, you know, you could bring out of the bullpen. And he also, you know, he's got electric stuff. You know, if you need him to come in in the late innings, even though he's not really used to it, uh, especially this year, you know, He's got the arm that can do that, whereas those two guys don't. Uh, that that would be something I would think about, but I, I'm not sure the Reds are going to go that far. Well, that's uh, that's what I was going to ask you. I, I don't think that I necessarily disagree with you, but do you really honestly think there's any way that Mike Leake is not going to be on the postseason roster? I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. He's been very good this year, uh, been great at times, been good at others, and I, I have concerns about whether he can work out of the bullpen as, as well, but I just don't see there's any way – the Reds leave him off the roster. Maybe maybe I'm uh, seeing that wrong. Do you think there's any way it'll happen? 
that, that really is a tough question. I mean, let's, let's go through it. Let's say we go with a four-man rotation. That's going to leave six guys for the bullpen. You would uh, think, yes. You're going to go... You're going to go with Chapman, of course. You're going to go with Hoover, Lecure, for sure. That's three. Um, Sean Marshall's healthy again, so they're going to put him in there. You think so? Uh, that's because four. that's the one. I, I'm really concerned. I, I'm a big Sean Marshall fan. I'm really concerned they're going to leave him off the roster. Really? Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll back off that then. So, okay. If they don't, if, definitely, if they don't put Marshall on, they're going to have Manny Parr on. So that's that's four. They're going to have Singrani, so there's five. So. Now you're down to one final spot for, I guess, Leak, Simon. Are you, are you going to leave Alfredo Simon off? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Probably I, I mean, would. He's been, but he's been good. Uh, I, yeah, it, 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 it's a tough situation. And, you know, it's great that the Reds get to make this decision where they can leave off somebody like that on their playoff roster because it just shows how deep their pitching is. But – yeah, it, it really is going to be an interesting situation to see how it all plays out. Well, there are so many good arms, and, and maybe I'm being too cynical about Sean Marshall, but the Reds have always, in my mind, or at least Dusty Baker, I should say, has undervalued what Sean Marshall can do for this team. I, I've always thought he could have been the closer for this team. And he's been hurt. He's not pitched most of the year. And I think it, I'm afraid, and again, maybe I'm just, being too cynical about it, but I'm afraid if, the, if it comes down to Sean Marshall versus Manny Parra uh, to be the last left-hander in the bullpen, you know, Manny Parra has been great this year. Let's, let's not take anything away from Manny Parra. And so I, I think that, well, I just sound like Tom Brenneman there. Let's not take anything away from Manny Parra. Um, but all of a sudden, he's off the playoff roster. I, I'm not entirely convinced they'll leave Parra off the roster and take Marshall. I just... Even though I think Marshall is clearly the better pitcher, again, this not not as a, intended as a criticism of Parra. He's been great and surprised all of us. So you think that you sound like you're convinced that Marshall will be on the roster? I, I feel that if he's healthy, then I, I just can't see where they keep him off the roster. Uh, he's clearly the best left-handed pitcher you've got. Um, well, okay, I I take that back. I honestly think that Singrani would what? probably be a better situation. What about a Rollis Chapman? Okay, I mean as a left-handed specialist. I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Okay. okay. Yeah, sorry. Let me let me let me try that again. I, I think that Marshall's the best left-handed specialist that they have. Um, right. But then again, you know, with Singrani, I feel that you know, you know, he could provide that role. He can get lefties out. Probably. I mean, especially over the short period, he could probably yeah. get lefties out just as good. I think it's a control problem. You know, he, he might walk a few extra guys here. There, but you know, he, he's going to miss a ton of bad balls. So, so I, I really don't think there's a downgrade there. And at the very least, I feel that Dusty has more confidence using Singrani against right-handers. Which, while I don't think that Sean Marshall has any problems facing right-handers, it does seem that Dusty is a, a little hesitant to let Sean Marshall pitch to right-handers at times. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's a. I think in Singrani and Marshall. Really, in my opinion, you've got two shutdown lefties. Well, three if you include Chapman. There, I went and forgot Chapman too. In the back of that, that any of them could pitch in high intensity situations at the end of a game, which which is huge. Now, on the right handed side of the plate, not quite uh, as confident. Uh, but I'm like you. I think that uh, Marshall could pitch to right handers, and and you got to think that Dusty would trust Singrani as well against right handers. So, uh, 
So J.J. Hoover makes it. Sam LaCure makes it. Chapman. You think Chapman makes it. You, you think Simon and Para are the odd men out, or you think uh, they'll leave Leak off and bring one of those two guys? Probably Simon, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that if it comes down to Simon or Leak, I, I think that they'd end up going with Leak, uh, just because I, I feel that you know they'd want that extra long guy, and you know, it's, it's such a tough situation and argument to make. <laughs> I can make both sides of it. I don't know which one to choose. Yeah, you know, I think that when when the Reds eventually make that decision on who to put, they're going to be people criticizing whatever they choose. But it's it's sort of an impossible situation. There are a lot of really good options. Whatever they choose, they're going to leave a really good pitcher off the postseason roster. And again, like you said a moment ago, that's a great uh, that's a great problem to have. Now, if we get the, to the the point where they're setting the roster. And Zach Duke is on the roster. I may have to take a hostage or something because I like Duke, and he's been he's been okay. You know, I don't have any problems with Zach Duke. Uh, but he's pitched in more high leverage situations over the last three weeks than any pitcher on this team. Where is this uh, newfound faith in Duke coming from? And do you think he's got a chance? Surely he doesn't have a chance of sneaking onto the postseason roster. I really hope not. I'm with you. There's there might be a hostage situation in my neighborhood if his name shows up on the roster and there's not several injuries between now and the uh, playoff time. But, uh, but does yeah, he no, trust I, 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 He does trust him, um, but I, I'm just not sure that, you know, when it comes down to it, when Dusty and Walt Jockety sit down to set the roster, that uh, I, I just can't see Dusty winning that one with all of the other arms that have been here, you know, not just all season, but in past season as well. Um, you know, many or uh, Zach Duke got 6.1 innings pitched this year for the Reds, and while he's been good, I'll, I'll give him that. You know, he had that one bad game the other day, but other than that, he's been really good for the Reds, and he was really good in the minor leagues for the Reds for the two months that he was there. But you know, the rest of these guys have been here pretty much all season, and most of them last season as well, pitching just as good. Um, I, I just I just can't see a way where he gets onto the roster without there being several injuries between now and then. I, I don't either, and I'm being cynical again. And of course, Walt Jockety is going to set. It's not going to be Dusty uh, setting the setting the roster for the playoffs. So uh, I I can't see there's any way. I'm trying to think of some way that I can be worried about something. I guess that's sort of my nature. Uh, let's let's look quickly again at, at who's going to be the bench on this playoff roster. You know, the guys that are in contention. We've already talked about Billy Hamilton, but you've got uh, Xavier Paul, Derek Robinson, Jack Hanahan, Cesaris Tourist. Those are probably the uh, the other bench guys that. Um, well, and, and Chris Heisey, I guess, as well. So, um, you think Xavier Paul makes the postseason roster? Uh, I, I think so. I, I think that it's just that he'll provide that left-handed power bat off of the bench that they're not going to get anywhere else. You know, I mean, Derek Robinson's a switch hitter, but he doesn't have power in his game at all. So, I, I think that he's going to provide something that they're going to want to be able to bring off of the bench if the situation arises where they need a left-handed bad off of the bench, and, you know, you need an extra base hit. He's the guy that you're going to want. Yeah, Paul and Heiser are going to be your primary pinch hitters off the bench, looks like. Uh, one lefty, one righty. And I, I don't have much problem. Paul's not, you know, he's very limited action, but he's not been awful this year. Uh, matter of fact, he's been okay. Uh, I don't have any problem with him being on the roster. And Derek Robinson probably not going to make it. I think a lot of people thought he might uh, at one point. And, and I, I commented to someone earlier today, Derek Robinson, if he doesn't make the playoff roster, he's not going to make the playoff roster, in my opinion. But if he doesn't, Billy Hamilton's going to take his spot 
and uh, or a spot that could have been taken by Robinson. And it's really a, a sort of funny to me. And we may have talked about it on last week's podcast, actually, now that I think about it. But I mentioned it to someone else today, so I'm going to repeat myself. Derek Robinson, recruited to play a defensive back for Florida, is going to lose his spot on the postseason roster to Billy Hamilton because he's not fast enough, basically, uh, when you put it down to it. Nobody's ever accused a defensive back from Florida, although they're not great this year. They beat up on the, the Tennessee Volunteers this week. But um, nobody's ever accused a, an SEC defensive back of being too slow. So that shows you what Billy Hamilton brings to the table, who was also recruited to play a wide receiver in the SEC, actually, at Mississippi State. So, um you know, I'm not too concerned about any of that. I think Heisey makes it. I think Paul makes it. Those are going to be your primary pinch hitters, likely. Uh, and then you got Billy Hamilton, who's a pinch runner slash pinch hitter. Uh, you know, any of those guys are six of one, half dozen of the other. So, so, so I don't know. I think the Reds uh, have some choices to make on the pitching side of the ledger. Probably can't make a mistake on the in terms of who they bring offensively. Yeah, they might be able to make a mistake, but it's not gonna it's not gonna kill them. No, I, I think that they, they've they've got a little bit of everything that they can add onto the roster. You know, in the playoffs, you know, you're gonna go with your eight starting guys every game. Um, you know, late inning, you know, you know, guys might pinch one for somebody else. You might see a defensive replacement for Chu in very very certain situations. But you know, in the playoffs, you're going with the eight guys that got you there assuming they're all healthy, and I think that that's what we're going to see. And the rest of the guys, they're just there to fill a specific role or need off of the bench for your team that may or may not even be used. Let's talk just quickly, if we could, about, and it's, you know, making predictions about the postseason is a, that's a, that's a fool's game there because it's such a crapshoot. But let's let's talk about what we can expect out of the, out of the postseason. Now, the wild card playing game, if that's the one the Reds end up in, and they probably will, who knows? Flip a coin. But let's presume for a moment that the Reds win that. And there's no reason they shouldn't be able to win that. They've got good pitching. They sh- if they win it, they move on to the division series. Now, where are we this year as compared to last year? Are you more or less confident in this team or last year's team heading into the division series, presuming this year's team makes it to the division series? You know, when I think back, I feel like I was more confident last year. But sitting where I'm at now, looking back to last year, I don't know why it would feel that way. Because I feel that this team actually is better than last year's team, but I'm not as confident in them. And I, I really can't explain why that is, because when I look at this team, I feel that top to bottom, they're better. But I don't know why I felt more confident last year than I do this year. Maybe it's well, just because, last, you know. I was going to say, last year's team won the division. This year's team has been in third place most of the year. Is that part of it? You know, I really don't think that's it because I, I felt all along that, you know, this team, even though, you know, they've not been in first place, that this is the best team in the division. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know why I feel that way or did feel that way. But that's – I mean, I'm, I'm confident in this team. Um, I, I don't – I'm not I, – I don't feel that, you know, they've got no shot of doing anything. Um, you know, it, it might just be the fact that, you know, I feel that last year – the Reds were the best team in the National League, whereas this year I'm, I'm not sure that they are. I think that maybe the Dodgers are. And maybe that's what my my whole confidence issue is in. Yeah, I thought the Reds were uh, – you were actually, before I said you're look, looking at this uh, a little bit more with uh, what I call Pete Rose colored glasses than I thought you would. Uh, but I think you're right. 
last year I did think the Reds were the best team in the National League, and I think and I was crushed by the uh, collapse against the Giants in the playoffs. This year's team, uh, and I've said it a number of times at Red Leg Nation, and uh, probably gone overboard a little bit, but just saying this team's going to break your heart. And, and last year's team broke our hearts, and I, I'm not sure why we would believe this team is uh, in, in any better position to keep from breaking our hearts. I think that whereas last year, I'm like you, I thought the, the Reds were the best team in the league, this year I don't think they're the best team in the league. I think the Dodgers are, and, and you know the Reds have struggled with the Cardinals and Pirates all year. But, and here's the, here's the, what I always try to say when I when I say this team's going to break your heart. I think you're right. I think this team is better than last year's team in some ways, if that makes any sense. Because the pitching's been better, and they added a, an elite leadoff hitter to this this lineup. There, I'm not going to put any money on the Reds doing anything in the postseason. But this team has all the pieces to be a very successful team and even a World Series team, don't you think? I, I do. I do think so. I mean, like I said, you know, I feel the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. But, you know, with the Reds pitching, you know, they can beat the Dodgers. It wouldn't, I don't think it would really surprise anybody if the Reds went out and beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series or a five-game series. I'm not sure how everything's going to work out just yet as to who's going to go where. But, right. I mean, the Dodgers have outstanding pitching, but so do the Reds. You know, on any given night, our top three can match up with their top three, and all it's really going to take is one bad night from somebody, and it's going to swing the entire series between those two teams. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, like you said, this this could be a World Series team. Um, you know, they might not be the favorites, but, you know, it wouldn't be a shocker either if, you know, they went out and, you know, they ran right through the National League in the playoffs. No, I agree. I agree. I think they've got the pieces to do that, and I think the pitching is a big part of it. We don't have a Clayton Kershaw, but we do match up with everybody in terms of top three. Everybody in the majors, as far as I'm concerned, even Detroit, whose top three is fantastic. Um, So, you know, maybe I need to just make a point to try to be super optimistic the rest of the way. I don't know, because I I I don't want to be down on this team. They've frustrated me all year long. Their, their defense has not been as good as we've become accustomed to. They've made so many errors on the base paths. They've just, and they've been in second, third place most of the season. And so it hasn't felt like a special team, which is really sort of a, a nebulous description, but they haven't felt like it. Well, you look at this team compared to anybody else in the National League, and I, I don't see any reason why they can't, if the offense gets a little bit hot, and that's not unreasonable to imagine happening. They could they could run through this thing. We talk about who we thought was the best team in the National League last year, and we thought it was the Reds. Probably anybody that didn't think it was the Reds thought it was the Nationals. And who won the National League last yeah. year? The Giants. So uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that, but yeah, you're right. Oh uh, yeah, sorry you're about right. that. <laughs> um, so. I really don't want to be optimistic about this team. Just let's, let's have some real talk here. I don't want to be optimistic about this team because they've broken my heart before, and I guess sort of as a defense mechanism, I don't want to let it happen again. Despite all the crazy yeah. things we've seen happen this season, this team's pretty doggone good. They, they, they really do have a chance, don't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you brought up, you know, some of the – base running mistakes they've made have just been 
mind-boggling. Uh, and the fact that, you know, they've happened throughout the entire season, it just wasn't a short stretch here or there. Uh, you know, you, you I guess you, you want to be a little reserved with this team, and maybe that's one of the reasons why, uh, that, you know, we feel that way is we've seen this team just do some things that just don't make sense for a team that is as good as they are. And so maybe you don't quite have as much confidence in them. But, yeah, I I don't know. I, I we Obviously, we want the Reds to win. But I, I can see where people would be coming from if they were slightly reserved about, you know, getting all aboard, you know, feeling that, you know, they're going to run – run their way right through into the uh, World Series. Well, maybe the fact that we don't believe they're going to, like we thought last year, maybe that's going to help keep us sane. But uh, let me ask you to address quickly, and we really need to sort of wrap this up, but uh, the last topic here. My opinion about the Reds has been, and about Dusty Baker in particular, and Dusty Baker is sort of the touchstone to every argument that everyone wants to have about this Reds team. My opinion about Baker is, and I, I'm one of the few, I think, that have been semi-vocal that I don't think he deserves to be fired. There's a lot of uh, people that really don't like Dusty Baker, and, and there's a lot of ammunition for those people. I'm not going to deny that, but um, my my thought process since last October when this sort of formed in my mind was that Dusty Baker, his his managerial voodoo, what he's good at really helps the Reds during the long regular season. But the stuff he's weakest at, the lineup shenanigans, the bullpen management, it really affects the Reds more so in a short series like we see in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. And I've actually got a post scheduled for tomorrow at Red Leg Nation about giving Dusty some credit for the Reds actually being able to hang in there given the injuries and sort of the crazy things that have happened to this team this year. But... Does the fact that we've seen Dusty get outmanaged last year by Bruce Boshi and the Giants, how much does that worry you going into the playoffs, I guess is what I, the way I'll put the question. I will be up front. I'm not a Dusty Baker fan. As a person, I feel he's a great person. From everything I've heard, he's a great person. As a manager of my favorite baseball team, I'm not a fan. With that said, I, I'm, I'm with you that I feel that he gets into the playoffs, and the things that he's not good at, like you mentioned, they get magnified, and they really hurt the team in a short series. And in the playoffs, that's all you get is a short series. You know, it's not, you know, a best of 10, best of 20 thing. You know, it's the first team to win three or four games. And one wrong decision here or there really makes a big difference. And I think that that's been one of Dusty's biggest problems, you know, like you said, you know, not being able to make those adjustments very quickly, uh, it's really come back to get him a few times in the playoffs. Um, as far as, you know, is it going to cost him his job if he doesn't win a, a you know a playoff series or get the team beyond the play-in game? You know, I really don't know. It, I, I think it really is going to matter as to, you know, exactly how it all plays out. You know, if they go out and give up seven runs in the first inning of the play-in game, that's not Dusty Baker's fault. I mean, even if you know, it's all on the starting pitcher, you know, not many managers are going to go out there and pull their starting pitcher, you know, in the first inning um, or even get ready for it enough time to really prevent something like that happening. Um, but I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I'm not one who's overly confident in Dusty Baker managing the team in the playoffs. I, I feel like I've seen it 
you know, quite often throughout his career and being outmanaged by the opposite side in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I really like a lot of these players on this team. Love this pitching staff. I mean, just love Votto and Bruce. And, you know, I love Mesoraco. Uh Frankly, big fan of Shinsu, too. Uh, and I, I'm a Brandon Phillips fan. Let's let's go ahead and say it. I know that's unfashionable in some quarters to say. But uh, the reason why I am hesitant to really fully embrace this club is I'm worried that Dusty's going to get outmanaged in the playoffs. And I hope that's not true because I – I like Dusty. He's one of the most interesting guys that I've ever uh, ever seen in, in in baseball. Anyway, varied interests, but uh, I'm concerned. So the question of whether or not he's going to lose his job or not, we're going to save that till the off season. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, he'll have a World Series ring, and who cares at that point? Uh, Doug, anything else you want to talk about tonight? I feel like we covered quite a bit in the last hour. <laughs> I think so, too, and I think hopefully we've uh, – I don't know if we've rambled too much, but I hope we got everybody set up for this big playoff push. Uh, it's been fun, Doug. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, you, you listen, hey, uh, anytime we get a chance to talk about the Reds, I'm all for that. Because better for worse, whether you disagree with the decisions that are made, whether you uh, are, are worried about what's going to happen or whether you're confident, this is our team, and uh, – I guess we'll be there all the way through the bitter end. And you know what? We're recording this on Monday night. As I'm talking, the Reds are winning. <laughs> the Cardinals are losing. So hope brings a turn on. All right? There we go. All right. You're right. Well, thanks, Doug. You're right. Appreciate you uh, joining us again. Appreciate all of you all downloading this uh, podcast. Listen, go uh, check us out at redlegnation.com and redsminorleagues.com. I don't think you'll find uh, better Reds analysis anywhere else on the Internet, although there are a ton of great – uh, Reds blogs, Reds content out there, uh, but I, I'm partial to those two. You know, check uh, check us out at Red Lake Nation on uh, Twitter at Doug Dirt 24 on Twitter, and then if you want to look at my dumb nonsense I post, I'm at Dotson C D O T S O N C. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Go subscribe right now. Don't wait. Uh, you can check out the link at RedLegNation.com on how to subscribe. Doug. How about a playoff run here to all the way to the World Series? What do you think? I'm on board that train. I am on Excellent. board that train. Excellent. We're all on board. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everybody. <laughs>